HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hi, this is Michael Gonzalez, writer from Complex.com, and you're listening to Heritage Radio. Hi. In some of my songs, I have casually mentioned the fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. It makes me a jolly good fellow, I like beer. It helps me unwind, and sometimes it makes me feel mellow. Makes it feel mellow. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's June 26, 2012. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. Tonight I'm joined by a room full of amazing beer people, including Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger. Hey, Jimmy. How are you, Dave? I'm doing great. Dave, did you make it up to the festival in Massachusetts this past weekend? I did not. I almost made it. Um, my ride came down to pick me up, but we were in the middle. We're doing that new pub up in Vermont, and we were in the middle of interviewing a bunch of people, so I couldn't get in the car. Well, I'll say it, it must, heard all about must have it. been the, one of the most wonderful gatherings of small brewers that's ever happened in America. And uh, first, we'll give thanks to the Shelton Brothers, who helped organize that with 12%. We've got Joel Shelton here. How are you, Joel? I'm great. Joel, uh, what, what, how did the festival go? It was such an amazing idea. All of my favorite brewers were there. Um, what were some of the highlights and uh, some of the beers that you, you would like to share with us? Uh, we're going to share our new brewery, Frygeist, in a little while. But uh, the highlight was that the customers were really happy. It was a really civilized crowd for a beer fest. <laughs> I think everyone agreed. Everyone commented on that. And the brewers themselves were saying it's a great, great people. They really know about beer. They're asking good questions. And I think the people that came felt the same way about the brewers. It wasn't a big beer blast at all. It was really informative and right. some of the best beer in the world in one room. Well, first we'll give a uh, shout-out to our sponsors, greatbrewers.com. You can learn more about beer, test your beer IQ, and uh, check out the Beer Cloud, a mobile app to help you locate your favorite beers, all on greatbrewers.com. And we're supported by the people at the Good Beer Seal. Check out goodbeerseal.com. July Good Beer Month is coming up. There's 40 New York City beer bars, all at thegoodbeerseal.com. All right, so Joel Shelton's here with uh, the guys from Fry Guys, Sebastian and Peter. How are you guys? We are fine. Thank yeah. you. You know, you've got a loaded room. you got Dave Broderick, Jen Swartman from Blind Tiger, B.R. Royer from Shelton Brothers, uh, Ted Kinney from uh, Top Hops, and uh, Dave Yarrington, a great brewer from uh, Smyonos in New York. So uh, welcome to New York. Thank you a lot. Thank you. Yeah. So what do you want to say to us, Sebastian? I know you speak German and you speak English. Yeah, what do you want? Speak <laughs> <Think of> German. <laughs> I should uh, choose German? Yes, please. Okay. Es ist wirklich sehr schön hier zu sein. Wir trinken gutes Bier. Alles gut? Good. Jimmy, do you get me? Now Peter can translate. <laughs> Peter, tell us. I actually even know what he said on that. <laughs> All is good. We're drinking good beer. Nur die Blutwurst. The reason I'm so excited that you're here and is that you know there's so much going on with, with German breweries. We, there, you get uh, sales slips about saying we've got one million hectoliters sales, the most beer ever sold in Germany. And I know that uh, that's not what German beer culture is, and it never was to me. And, and I was thinking of it as the small local breweries with, with regional styles. You know, last week we had uh, Stefan Mikkel, the brewer from Mars, uh, at a special dinner, and and you guys here are like the new German. To us, you're the new German breweries. 
Um, tell us, uh, how do you feel about what you're doing? Do you feel like you're different? Do you feel like you're part of a new scene in Germany? Do you feel like you're like the, the guerrilla underground, like Stefan does at Mars? Uh, we actually feel a bit like uh, the new scene, so we pretty feel much connected to the uh, craft beer scene which is going on all over the world and uh, we are pretty good connected with a lot of breweries and places in Europe which are doing the new scene so we're not the very traditional ones but we uh, get a bit of a take on uh, some traditional stuff so we love historical beer styles and uh, especially because they are dying out in Germany we try to revive them and uh, have a new and modern take on those. Uh, Ted Kenny from uh, Top Hops, a uh, great new uh, bottle shop in Lower East Side, Manhattan. Do you carry any, any of the sm- specialty German breweries like Mars? Um, we've been trying to get Mars in. I, we're out of stock the last time I tried to order it, but uh, we've we've got. I'm, I've actually just started looking into getting some of the more um, esoteric German brews in now because basically we've got you know Schneiderweiss and Weinstefaner that everybody else has been able to get for a long time. So trying to get some other things that are that maybe you can't find in a lot of other bars and restaurants out there. Great, Dave. Yeah, and I'd, I'd kind of be curious, like how do the traditional German brewers uh, view the new scene that's going on? I mean, how do they feel about it? They, they are. Know, usually pretty conservative and, and um, they're following a very very old tradition of the way they think it should be done so how, how do they look upon you guys they really don't understand what we are doing so yeah. that's um, a difficult thing so n- there's a lot of dying out of the breweries in Germany so Germany used to have a lot of breweries and uh, nowadays it's really going down and they all produce less than a lot of years ago and um, but they don't understand why they lose so much. They see themselves as a victim and uh, just say, "Okay, we we brew the best beer possible. So why don't they drink it?" And yeah, yeah they they are not like, "Okay, we probably have to uh, put some new stuff on and uh, that uh, consumers can taste some other stuff and just get a different view on the beer." And not like, "Okay, we ha- I have my regular lager which I can drink out of a mug and." Um, yeah, because I, I, and don't they sort of look that the young German, you know, beer drinker kind of looks at the traditional beers as sort of their grandfather's beer and their and their parents' beer, and they're they're switching to other things. Is that sort of what's going on? That why these other breweries are sort of dying off these more traditional breweries. Yeah, but true. But it's also a question of the price. So they are not uh, very connected with the breweries. It's not a bit uh, the, the slow food thinking that you want to know the hands which are making your products and that they are connected with uh, the, their local butcher, their local bakery. So there's also a problem with uh, other producers. But uh, and concerning beer, it's also the same problem so that they are not going for the local stuff, or which is really good, but just like, okay, this... Uh, this case uh, costs five euros less than the other case, so I'm going to take the cheaper one. Not because it's better or there are better ingredients inside, but it's just like, okay, it's cheaper. So, so who are your customers in Germany? Who's, who's gravitating towards this like, new scene? We just have a brew pub uh, so, uh, where, we are going to, uh, where we are brewing, and uh, so we ha- can put all the beers we are producing there. But uh, outside of uh, this pub, we're not selling to any other places in Germany. So we're just exporting to Italy, to Spain, to the US. And um, that's very important for us because people appreciate it a lot. And we don't have to force to get uh, our beers to, uh, to sale. So it's like uh, we, we don't want to run behind other people and just like, ah, please keep, uh, please buy this beer. It's nice tasted or whatever. Just like uh, the Italians came around and it's just like, uh, please, we want to have so as much as possible from right. the, that beer. And that's fine for us. So you're more famous in America than you are in, in the rest of Germany, besides the town where you actually probably yeah, grew. true. Yeah, Ste- Stefan had a good story. I mean, Sebastian, excuse me, had a good story last night about the brew, the brewery in Cologne that called you guys when there was a story saying this is the center of beer in Germany now, and they mentioned Freigeist or Brauchstelle as the real center of beer, and uh, one of the larger close breweries d- wasn't happy about this, and they gave you guys a call and actually said, "What the hell is this all about?" <laughs> They didn't understand really what it was about, so they didn't understand the article. It was just like, uh, huh? the small brewery should be uh, the center of the new scene. And it was like, we should be the center of the new scene. And mm. no, you're It's a very conservative atmosphere there. Yeah. So what, what happened? So German breweries, what, they just got so good with the technology and production that they, to them, they feel like they're making pure, clean beers that 
that uh, the world should should buy. I mean, so they they really think they're making the best beers. Yeah, the absolutely, beers? absolutely. Yeah. yeah, they are pretty good in uh, the high end brewing. So uh, about the um, um, what you say about the. Yeah, you can study uh, brewmaster and stuff like that. So a lot of brewma- uh, beer people from other countries are going to Germany for studying uh, to be brewmaster. And uh, this is uh, really good. But um, next to it, uh, the brewing scene is still the uh, the same like uh, years ago. So it never uh, developed, but it was still the, sa- uh, still the same. They are not producing some new stuff. Now it's um, changing a bit, but not that much. So you're making beers in Cologne, Cologne, the heart of Kolsch. We know Kolsch beers come from there, and there's what over 20 different Kolsch producers. How many Kolsch producers are there uh, now? We know Reisdorf, we know Gaffel. They're not that much, so there's a big concern, which produce a lot of different brands, but they're all made at the same uh, brewery, and you're not able to put... Uh, or you're not able to uh, say uh, if they're separately brewed or not, because they taste all the same. Yeah. So it's just like, uh, yeah, so what, f- what, find it out on What are you guys doing differently? So tell us some of the beers that you brought, because I'm drinking your, your Kolsch, which is really good. Thank you. And uh, what other beers did you bring today? Um, we have the, the special stuff on the Kolsch is that uh, it's unfiltered, so we are not able to call it Kolsch in Cologne, because uh, it has to be uh, fi- uh, completely filtered, so it has to be clean. And uh, that's what not, we are not doing in, Col- uh, in our brew pub. And this is something special. So, so you, you can't even call your Kolsch a Kolsch. True, yeah. Because it's not filtered. But uh, we keep all the important stuff in the beer. And it's uh, much more hoppy and um, more uh, flavorful than the other beers, which uh, are for our taste more watery and um, Is that what I'm more drinking, sin. drinking right now, this beer? The blue label? What is that? That's a Braxis. That's a smoked Berliner Weisse. So yeah. uh, it uh, contains lactic sourness and smoked malt. And uh, we also brought um, a Weizen, a Reinhardt Weizen, so it's not uh, brewed with a Weizen yeast, but with a Kölsch yeast. So it's not that uh, sticky and banana taste and the cloves, but uh, more hop uh, dominated. And then we also have Hoppeditz, which is a strong Altbier, a bit like a Doppelsticker, which is uh, known in Düsseldorf. So you're making you have a small brew. Are you brewing at your own brew pub? Yeah, we are brewing at our brew pub, but uh, for the U.S. Uh, market, we are brewing at a different uh, plant because we're not able to uh, make that big quantities uh, for the uh, American market. And so you're making a traditional styles of beer. Yeah, but uh, at the st- uh, uh, other plant, uh, it's totally our ingredients and our recipes, so that's very important for us. So, Joel, how did you, how did you guys at Shelton Brothers discover uh, the Frygeist? Uh, several of our of our people met these guys at beer festivals I think in Belgium mostly correct yeah and, and, and there aren't too many Germans going to uh, Belgian beer festivals so they're pretty noticeable uh, so Dan and I heard from a few people and Dan met Sebastian before that we should go talk to these guys seriously and see about doing business and we sat down last summer and had a bunch of beers and we it took us about five seconds to realize we should be bringing this stuff in and it took us much longer to get the labels done and the beer actually in America <laughs> but we're very excited it's a here today for the first time in New York is the premiere. Well, cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers. Welcome, new friends. Small German breweries. We'll toast to that. Yes. And uh, Dave, I know Jen's here. We're going to take a short break. But Jen, um, you, you've been to Bamberg recently. Yes, I have. Uh, get, get Jen on. Come on. Jen Swerman from Blind Tiger. Hey, in Hi. In this room, talking over Dave's shoulder here into a mic, we can talk about, we can talk about that There's in detail. These people. guys are fascinating what they're doing. I'm really interested and in, I'm so happy to meet them and hear about this because this is something that um, I've talked about Germany and how it's one of the really you know the Belgians started to get a little creative the British started to crane their necks and pay attention to what we were doing over here and taking influence from our IPAs and things and yet the Germans were still the slow ones to even like acknowledge so here these guys are doing what you know I've kind of been waiting for from Germany for a while it's fun cool thank you all right Hey, I tell you, we're going to take a short break. Uh, we'll be right back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. Well, it took me a woman late last night. I was three-fourths drunk. She looked all right. Till she started peeling off her onion gook. She took off her wig, said, how do I look? I was high-flying. 
bare naked at the window. Well, sometimes I might get drunk, walk like a duck and smell like a skunk. Don't hurt me none, don't hurt my pride, cause I got my little lady right by my side. She's a trying to hide, pretending she don't know me. Out there painting on the old woodshed When a can of black paint it fell on my head I went down to scrub and rub But I had to sit in back of the tub Cost a quarter Death price When my telephone rang It would not stop this President Kennedy calling me up Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick. It's a beautiful day in June. And I've got so many people in this room. We've got Fry Guys, Shelton Brothers, Blind Tiger, Smutty Nose Brewer, which is coming up soon. And, and the new guy, it's, it's Ted Kenny, who used to work at Anheuser-Busch. So he knows everything about big beer and selling a lot of beer. And he chose to open a very small, very hip uh, bottle shop in... in uh, Lower East Side, Manhattan, and uh, Florence Fabricant, you might have heard of her from the New York Times, uh, when, when she reviewed the store, she said, um, an arms race seems to have sprung up among the new breed of beer stores in New York, um, which, because he says he has 700 beers. But separate from that, you're coming from Anheuser-Busch, you're, you're doing you know small brands, really great selection. What do you think about, we met with the guys from Fry Guys, they're the new small breweries from Germany. What, what do you want to say about that? Because you'll probably carry Fry Guys in your store, won't you? Absolutely. These guys are, you know, it's great to meet these guys. Uh, the beer is delicious. And, it, you know, it's just, it's got such, you know, an amazing flavor. And it just, you know, it hits your tongue and it's just pop. Um, you know, one of the things that these, we were just talking about how uh, these guys were saying that there were, you know, the brewers in Germany, they they don't seem to, to get that uh, people are looking for something different, uh, something that's not being offered to them. And we were just commenting on how the same thing happened, you know, here where, you know, everyone was just, there was only, there were, it had boiled down to just a few suppliers that were all supplying basically the same beer. Um, and it's been, it's been so great to, you know, be in New York at a time when, when the when the market is just exploding and we're getting to taste great beer from all over the world and that's when i decided to get out of ab and go up my own place because you know it's just such a great time to be able to uh get that out there and in new york you know there were always some great uh there were some really great beer bars including blind tiger and a number of other places but there just weren't that many places to buy beer to take home and that's what got me thinking you know that's coming from being at ab you know where more than 90 percent of their market is the take-home market not the on-premise market so that's what got me thinking that way all right man well welcome aboard thanks yeah it's it's still uh, there's so many great people in in this country working in the beer industry and there's a lot of really cool craft beer people one of them is br br roya from shelton brothers I always, I always ask her what's going on because she knows. I mean, you had the festival uh, up in Massachusetts this weekend. So many great brewers. Um, you know, how did you guys do that? I, I just can't believe there, there was all my favorite brewers were in Massachusetts, and uh, I didn't go. Everyone except you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, actually, I still, I'm not sure how we did it. I'm still recovering. But um, it was fantastic. We had over 70... Uh, brewers, cider makers, and mead makers, and the requirement to attend was that your brewer actually had to be there. We didn't want some sales rep or, you know, the export manager or whatever. I mean, most of our brewers are so small, they don't even have that sort of staff. But we wanted the actual brewer there to be able to talk about their beers and their ciders. And um, actually, the brewers themselves found it wonderful because they were able to, in a much smaller setting than, say, CBC, talk to their peers and i mean it was it was just fantastic actually just to taste all the beers and meet all the brewers if i hadn't you know we haven't met them before and I so guess. name some of the brewers and their breweries and you'll probably tell me my favorite brewers yeah well, you know we we had the big names that everyone ran to like cantillon of course jean Vanois was there mickle from mckeller uh ron jeffries made it out from jolly pumpkin which everyone was very excited about some of our european brewers are uh, just starting to experiment with barrel aging so they were all just super excited to be able to talk to him about about barrel aging 
Uh, then we, you know, we had the new Fry Guys. We had some very small producers from you know who are, aren't really well known yet in the U.S. Um, cider makers from Normandy came and they brought some of their Calvados, Cidrida uh, du Perche, in Normandy. Um, just million. I mean, there were just so many. I can't even. I can't even name them all and all the highlights. Well, it's it's still it's always amazing to me how many great small brewers you guys have at Shelton Brothers. How do you guys do it? I mean, we, we've got, you know, s- stores like Top Hops and, and bars like Blind Tiger and Jimmy's. We're always trying to get your product. And there's always some a new brewery. I mean, Joel, what, what are your brothers doing and h- how do you keep it going? I mean, h- how can you have so many different small brewers? We're barely maintaining, Jimmy. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> as, as we've heard, um, we're not in stock with Mars in a certain shop, for example. It's, it's tricky because we, we don't order a huge volume at any one time because we don't sell to everybody. It's just some good shops or some good bars. So we run out on occasion. But uh, we keep them going because they don't need to sell tons of beer in the States. They just need to sell a little bit here and there to the people that want it. And we have a million brewers, and that keeps us going. If we only had two, we wouldn't be survive, obviously. How many brewers do you have? BR, do you know? We don't really know because it keeps changing. <laughs> <laughs> We had one more now than we had last week, but I, I think it's something like 70 or Yeah, that, that sounds about, yeah, around, I think it's around 70. It shouldn't be too hard to count them, but we just never did. <laughs> and then for our listeners, what's their process? So you met Fry Guys. What's the process that takes it from meeting Fry Guys to getting them to be distributed in the state? It's actually not that complicated. We just make it complicated, I think. But literally I think we, you guys do. Well, well yeah, yeah, because Dan doesn't, my brother Dan doesn't want to make a decision pretty much but we we sat down we tried the beer and we said you want to bring it to the states yes how much is it okay that'll work and then we have to sign a few papers and that's really what it would take but it ended up taking 11 months with these guys because we had had to make new labels for example and we're just we're not a huge company and we take our time basically we're just uh not that efficient sometimes (laughs) but uh there's the beer the beer's great and we're trying to get a little more professional and hopefully, Fry Guys will be in stock all the time. And, and how many states are you guys in now? Like uh, Shelton Brothers, like how many do you st- distribute to? Do you know? I think we're probably in about forty-six or so right now. It's it's changing a little bit um, in terms of distributors. Uh, you know, we're adding some and taking away from others depending on if they actually have a commitment to our beers. I mean, some people bring in a brand and then don't ever order it again. So uh, we like to work with distributors who. See our, you know, our philosophy of, of helping the little guys and who are willing to work with us on pricing, you know, so that they're not gouging the consumers on the pricing and work with us on smaller margins because the lower the prices are, the more people are going to buy the beer, the more we can order from the breweries, the more the breweries produce, and it's really a win-win situation for everyone. So we try to work with our distributors to get them not to take, like, say, crazy margins, and hopefully, I mean, we can't always... You know, work with the accounts on the end, but you know, hopefully they're selling to people who are also not going to. I'll tell you that the, the festival that is really exciting because you brought so many brewers to this region. And I know we, we, last Thursday we had uh, Stefan from from Mars. Are there any other special events going on, Bjor, with uh, some of your brewers this week? I believe the only one is tonight at Spite and Dival. We'll have the debut of the Fry Geist. We'll have six of their beers on draft and uh, some in bottles as well. So we're going over there oh, after the show. And on Saturday, <laughs> we actually have uh, McKellar and Two Ol, two Danish breweries, along with Evil Twin, will be there at Beer Street over in, in Williamsburg. Excellent. All right. Dave, anything you want to say about uh, now, the new German breweries or the, the <coughs> well, small yeah, I, brewers from Shelton? Yeah, I'm just kind of wondering, because um, it just makes me think that, you know, the fact that the um, Fry Guys ship so much to America and they're actually probably going to be wind up being better known here at least with a larger number of people so it is that kind of that idea of in your own country you have to build up uh that clientele and getting young people or anybody getting them excited about you know which we had to do starting in the in the late 80s and stuff getting people excited here um it's like how you know do you guys think about that in terms of building up you know a german clientele um you know, so that you have it at home as well as, uh, you know, here abroad. Yeah, definitely. We just want to, uh, we discussed this, uh, yesterday evening in your pub, actually, <laughs> that uh, it's totally important that um, people are able to get our beers in Germany, too. So we don't want to make uh, special batches, which are just available in some other countries, and our local people are not able to get it. But um, at least we, we are just see ourselves as a brewery, 
and uh, we are not uh, beer journalists and beer teacher and beer missionaries or whatever. It's just like um, we work a lot and uh, we are not able to make more as possible. So we um, make once a year a beer festival where we invite a lot of uh, good friends, breweries, that they come around and people can um, come and and, uh, participate and taste a lot of beers and uh, then there is a limit so we are not able to do much more travel around through Germany and uh, give people the taste and some samples it's just like uh, the people have to be waking up by themselves or by other people so I think it's not the um, the, uh, something which the brewery have to do so it's like uh, we, we try to and we uh, if people in Germany uh, are starting to think different and ask us, we will definitely help. But um, until then, we still have to see that we can work uh, on our own stuff as well. So uh, if we want to do something, something special, like uh, the Goze we uh, published at the Shelton Brothers Festival, people loved it in the US. It's quite hard to sell it in Germany, so... Why should we uh, try to force people to drink it in Germany when other countries... Uh, Send it where people want it. Yeah, go crazy about it in other countries. It's like... Yeah, yeah I mean, and, and so, um, I mean, uh, what was I going to say? I mean, the, the whole idea of, um, you know, getting young people and stuff and, 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 you know, do you have beer bars in, in, in Germany that are sort of, you know, similar to what we have here nope. to help push it yeah i mean that's i mean because that's kind of where it starts you know it's not you like you say it's not the brewery's job necessarily to educate people and it's also the retailers shops yeah yeah absolutely yeah but uh i try uh, i um, had some thoughts about opening a beer bar uh next to our brew pub some time ago and uh it didn't work out but uh, it's like Sebastian how about, the, how about you get, let me taste a different beer okay <laughs> <laughs> and then t- quickly with you and Peter how did you guys get started if, if you know you're like the, the I don't know gorillas or you know mavericks we'd say mavericks here how did you get started 10 years ago uh, doing a small small brew pub in Cologne just like we love uh, good stuff and we uh, always traveled around through Belgium and other countries and we're open minded so we uh, love to try a lot of different beers and we fell in love with uh, Lambic, with IPAs, with whatever. And um, we don't want to copy beer styles, but want to uh, have a special take on some uh, some inspiration from different uh, breweries, but still want to do it on a separate way. You don't want any of our beers again. I spilled the beer. Damn me. Oh, my God. Damn you. <laughs> Everybody's perking up. Well, Sebastian. And also, in the next segment, uh, Dave Yarrington's here, the, the brewer from Smoney Nose, and he's going to tell you a little bit about what he's gone through uh, in an American craft brewer. And, uh, yep, been there. Done it. <laughs> Educated people. Uh, the, whole, the whole process. I mean, I've been doing this about 18 years now, and, uh, you know, it's amazing uh, how far America has come. And, uh, uh, you know, it's interesting to see that all sort of taking root in Europe, at, you know, especially as Americans seeing... You know, all the styles that uh, we, we've sort of based uh, a lot of our brewery uh, breweries on, um, you know, coming back to Europe and, and people being excited about uh, the American take on it. So, uh, you know, it's really exciting to, uh, to meet you guys and, and sort of hear your perspective on all that. Thank all you. Right. We're going to take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. I used to smoke, drink, and dance the hoochie coo. I used to smoke and drink, smoke and drink, and dance the hoochie coo. Hey, welcome, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Here we are, Roberta's in Bushwick. We got. 
Dave Broderick from Blind Tiger, and the guys from Fry Guys, and Ted from Top Hops. How you doing? How are you? And our, our special guest is Dave Yarrington, a longtime brewer, uh, American craft brewer. We all respect him from Smutty Nose up in New Hampshire. Dave, we've been talking about small German breweries and uh, all the challenges you go through creating craft beer out of a macro environment. Uh, let's let's say hello. We've been waiting to have you on the air for a long time. Yeah, thank, thanks for having me down. It, it's been what a couple couple years uh, or longer. We've begging, been, uh, we've been <laughs> begging. It's hard to get me in New York. It's uh, so difficult. We had point. to bribe him. We'd take him to you know Wally Dufresne's restaurant tonight. <laughs> it was the only way we can get him here. And it worked. Um, yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, you know, this has been an interesting conversation because, uh, you know, I'm looking at it from the other viewpoint where it took us a long time, uh, say it earlier, uh, to kind of build up the clientele in America and really getting people on board. And, uh, you know, it's exciting to see, uh, you know, uh, German and, and European brewers in general sort of uh, – taking some inspiration from that and really seeing that uh, you know you can be creative and you can do unique things and people will respond you know it's about quality and passion and you know all those attributes that uh, uh, you know people respond to really well so these beers are beautiful uh, thank you for sharing with us uh, they're great thank you what was the last beer you poured Sebastian it's a uh, little that's, darker that's hot but it's, it's a strong Alpia so we used five kind of malts and five kind of hops we're brewing it, and uh, it's something like a doppelsticker, which is uh, known in Dusseldorf, which is a uh, in former times was uh, meant a secret. So the brewer made a bit stronger beer, and uh, people just get to know when they drink it. <laughs> and uh, I'd love to hear more about a Braxis. I don't know if you mind geeking out on it, but uh, um, where's the lacto? Like, w- where do you add the lactobacillus into that? Is that like in a kettle or in the fermenters or before fermentation? Actually, yeah. Okay. Uh, do you get nervous about like contamination of your other beers with the lactobacillus or? It's lactic acid. It's not. Oh, a, lactic yeah. acid. Yeah, Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So we have open fermentation, so it's not uh, the best thing to work with uh, bacillus. So yeah, because I was thinking you were working with lactobacillus, but uh, um, lactic acid. Interesting. I yeah. mean, it's beautifully blended. That's a gorgeous beer. Thank you. And the smoked malt is a smoked malt you're yeah. using there. That's a very old German brewing technique. So it's called uh, Lichtenhainer, which is just um, easy said as a bit. Or close to a smoked Berliner Weisse. It's actually not that uh, the same, but um, okay. it's pretty easy description. And uh, it's very important to have the combination of sour and smoked malt in uh, one beer. I think the interesting thing about Freigeist is not that they're doing something freaky and new, but they're actually doing something freaky with an old style that's a German style that people don't realize Germans had really sour beer not long ago. And that's, that's what's really fascinating about those guys. Um, but but the but the lactic acid wouldn't have been a traditional additive. I mean, it would have been a bacteria at some point, right? Yeah, but it was uh, not. Um, yeah, it was a bit uh, an accident, I would say. Yeah, so probably. They, the, the breweries weren't so clean, so they had a lot of uh, infection stuff, and that's uh, how they got Bertrandomyces and uh, lactic acid. Inside There's a lot the of beer. American breweries doing it by mistake too. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> Don't talk with us about the subject with the Belgians. So. No. <laughs> And actually, I, I wanted to ask Dave. He's actually had to educate in two different countries because he brewed in Japan for a while, and uh, and that was before that was before Smutty. Yeah, directly before Smutty. I, was, um, I lived in Tokyo for about three years. I went over there because my brother had spent he he spent in total about a, a decade over there, and and I mostly wanted just to visit him and see what his life w- was there because uh, it was pretty obvious he had sort of moved there permanently and uh, um, so he invited me over with some friends of his who were living in Tokyo to try to start a brewing company and we, we were able to get a basically a beer contracted that I was well, we call it gypsy brewing, I guess now, but uh, uh, there wasn't that term back then. Um, but I was brewing it uh, with a local brewery, Saint Gallen, and uh, and then we were uh, able to sell it around Tokyo. It's called Tokyo Ale. We were trying to do a brew pub, but uh, you know, it's those economics of, of you know urban real estate that got in the way of trying to do a real brew pub in in, in Tokyo. Um, I'd loved it there. In fact, if I had gotten a brew pub going, I'd sure i'd still be living there <laughs> of course wouldn't have known you guys uh, or maybe in a different context but uh, um yeah and that, and that was really interesting because that was sort of you know mid to late 90s and uh in japan the difficulty was that the law had just changed you 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 couldn't legally open a brewery for a long time in japan unless you started with a ridiculous number of barrels like you had to brew you know, hundreds of thousands or a million barrels of beer to get a license. So you, like, day one had to be, 
you know, Sam Adams. <laughs> um, and so finally that law changed, and, and they were able to bring, um, you know, small brewers were able to start up. But at the time, most of them were um, sort of, they were set up by regional governments as like a tourist trap, you know, like come visit our traditional German. They're all like little German style breweries, um, and and none of them were particularly authentic, and and uh, a lot of them were uh, Japanese uh, young Japanese men who were just sort of told that you were going to learn how to become a brewer, a and, German brewer. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and it was really interesting, and and uh, you know, sort of, you know. Because there wasn't a lot of passion, it was pretty obvious. Uh, but then slowly, uh, you know, people started, people with an interest in it um, really started opening up. And you, and you started seeing, you know, the, the, the Japanese breweries that we kind of recognize now. In fact, I think Brian Baird was um, at your festival this yes. weekend. Is that right? Yeah, I'd met Brian just as I was leaving. He was kind of starting up and uh, met him briefly. Um, but uh, he's doing great work at this point. And, and there's some really interesting. Yeah, the beers. beer scene in, in Japan has changed a, a, yeah. a lot. Yeah, there needs Since to be left. a blind tiger in Tokyo. Yeah, when's, right. when's that going down? Yeah. <laughs> Soon. My sister-in-law just moved there, so oh, okay, uh, cool. <laughs> she's checking it out. <laughs> Sounds great. But Dave, what, what was it like when you, when you first started at Smolino's? Uh, pretty what kind bad. of beers were you making? They were making awful beer, um, and uh, which was good for me because I knew I had like uh, you know a, a real future there. Because uh, you know I came into Smutty Nose and they were they were struggling. Um, and this is ten, oh god, almost twelve years ago now, <clears throat> and uh, uh, but they had a great brand. You know, I really liked the 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 labels. I liked the the whole concept. Uh, it was really solid, and and I think a lot of the small breweries, certainly ten, twelve years ago, really struggled with that idea of branding, right? Um, that, you know, it was sort of a slap-together label and, and uh, you know, something, you know, clip art, that kind of thing was, was really typical back then. And, uh, you know, Peter and Joanne were really good at that. Um, they just, uh, they had a brewer who had kind of gotten a little beyond his ability. And uh, so it was a nice position for me to step into. Um, I had just come out of uh, the UC Davis program and, and uh, um, had been brewing for a number of years before that. And, and it was a great opportunity. And, you know, in the 10 years, I've been whatever years have been there um you know we've just been uh, really booming and and uh, it's been a great you know I, i've got a creative freedom and we we try to do as much creative work as we can obviously it's you know with production issues you know sometimes it's hard to schedule these things in but uh, it, it's been a phenomenal opportunity for me and now you guys are moving to well, uh, well i mean i shouldn't say that because i said that last year and yeah. you still haven't broken ground yet. But, you know, uh, I try not to get excited about this, but it's so close. I mean, we are within a month or so of, of in earnest getting this project going. So we're moving about 10 miles south of where we are now in the town of Hampton, New Hampshire. We own a 14-acre farm. It's called Toll Farm. And uh, we're going, we moved the farmhouse already, and that's going to turn into our pub. The barn's going to stay on location. We'll probably do, like, uh, events and, and things like that out of there. But uh, a whole new facility, about 50,000 square feet. Uh, we'll do, you know, maybe sixty or 75,000 barrels out of it. Um, but, uh, you know, we're really excited just to have sort of a, you know, mostly, like, a roof that doesn't leak, you know, floors that drain, you know, those things that, like, just drive you crazy brewing in a warehouse like a lot of the Americans' uh, startups have done. And uh, That tasting room that's in the machine shop. Yeah, you know, like, uh, you know, guys, guys, whatever, grinding away, well, doing a little welding while you're getting a sample. It, <laughs> it's, you know, people love it, and, and they tell us they love it, but I don't know. I can't buy it. It's going to be great to have a real a real brewer, brewery, you know, built with, with brewer's input into it. So I'm really looking forward to it. Are all the recipes that Smutty Nose makes now, are they your recipes? Um, I think the old brown dog is the only one at this point that hasn't been at least altered at some point uh, by, by myself or, you know, collaboration with staff. Um, that was the only one that I kind of really kept. But when I started off, I you know, whatever, I didn't change anything. We just changed process, uh, which... You know, really in brewing is huge. Uh, you know, the recipe, you know, there, there's a certain amount to it, to the recipe. But, you know, process is, is so much of what we do. And dialing that in made a huge difference on the beers as they were. And then we just kind of uh, played around with things that we thought were out of balance. Um, but that was a, sort of our four or five regular beers. And then all the big beers, um, I sort of changed those right away just because whatever I, I felt like it was, you know, 
what Peter was giving me as an opportunity. I was going to help him, and he was going to give me the, the creative freedom to, to come up with my own opportunities there and those recipes. So. Hey, well, we have a call-in question. Uh, is someone on the air right now? Uh, yeah, I am. Hey, who's this? Oh, hi. This is uh, Mike. I'm a first-time caller, a long, long-time listener. I love this show. Great. Uh, where are you calling from? I'm calling from uh, Milwaukee. All right. And, uh, yeah, yeah. All right, cool. And what's your question? I, I just heard my uh, my sister lives in the city, and she said there was, um, uh, I'm a big Smutty Nose fan, and I heard that, uh, I guess, the head brewer's on the show today. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, thank you uh, for enjoying our beers. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so um, I heard I um, she's going to be able to go to this Blind Tiger or whatever bar that I uh, was doing a promo with you or guys. Or whatever. Tomorrow, and I heard about this mushroom porter or something. Um, yeah, we, we have a beer called Satchmo that uh, we brewed last fall. Um, we actually brewed it with wild foraged black trumpet mushrooms that uh, uh, a, chef, a local chef to Portsmouth, um, Evan Mallet at the Black Trumpet restaurant, um, him and his staff went out and, and foraged for these mushrooms for us last fall. And uh, we brewed it into a, uh, it's sort of like an English brown porter. And uh, we steep these in, into the whirlpool. And uh, uh, the beer is really interesting. We'll see how it's kind of uh, held up because um, it wasn't a big beer. It's only about 5%. Uh, but we'll see how it's kind of held up. Uh, hopefully it has, or uh, I sort of owe Dave some money on the, on the keg. But um, it's a really interesting beer. And it's certainly, I, I've heard of, uh, I know Rogue did a beer uh, with, with mushrooms, and I've heard of maybe a couple others, but uh, uh, I'd never played with them. And uh, it, it, it turned out to be great so uh hopefully your what well, your sister's in town uh, hopefully she can try it cool and dave has the list of the other smutty nose beers that will be at blind tiger tomorrow night yeah i mean some of the the new stuff i mean you've got a, a belgian stat and i think you uh did did that in a little brett too that that belgian stat does that is that right um, yeah, we had that aged in uh, barrels, and I think uh, the Brett was maybe unintentional, but uh, it may have um, sort of uh, been transmitted. In, been in the wood. Yeah, been in the wood. But, uh, um, well, we'll see how it's, how that's uh, aged as well. Um, that should be great. And then um, you've got a, uh, we've got a couple of casks and a pin. Um, the casks are, uh, I guess all three actually are dry hop. They're, they're some of your styles, they're your regular styles, and you sort of played around with them. Yeah, uh, that's really Charlie Ireland does all my cask stuff for us now. And uh, so we'll see what he's come up with. Um, he's usually pretty heavy-handed with the hopping, so uh, uh, they'll probably be over the top. But I know one of them is our rye IPA. Right, and that's, so that's new. This is new, yeah. Um, we've just uh, packaged it. We've got uh, some in 750s right now, uh, just available at the brewery. Um, but uh, this, I think, is the first uh, of this rye IPA here in New York, and it's in this pan. Um, and with some dry, excuse me, with some dry hops on top, it should be just gorgeous. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And now the Brett and I, you did that last year, and then you made another batch of it. Um, no, we haven't. Well, we did the original batch maybe three or four years ago, um, and then. Uh, we like the name, but we changed the recipe entirely. Um, so this was a, another version of a kettle sour beer. Uh, we did a beer called Rouge de, Rouge de Shire, um, which was like a sour raspberry beer. Um, that was our first, you know, sort of venture into ket- kettle souring. Uh, so we're we're Dave. What do you mean by kettle souring? So we're we're mashing in and then running off into the kettle. So we have we collect wort into the kettle. And then we'll add lactobacillus into the kettle and keep that at about 100 degrees for, um, well, as long as it takes. It's usually about overnight, um, 12 hours, 18 hours, something like that. And the lactobacillus will create um, that lactic acid character, um, bring the pH down, um, and create that uh, a sour quality to it. The beauty of it in the kettle is that you can then boil it, so you pasteurize it. So then I can run it through my, the rest of my processing equipment. So I get that uh, um, that flavor I'm looking for without necessarily uh, infecting the rest of the place. Yeah, you know, because we've got what what forty employees in there, you know, with various states of mortgages and child payments and things. So uh, you know, it's sort of hard to uh, uh, wing it when it comes to some of these bacteria. So this was a, a nice opportunity for us to play around with some sour quality, you know, outside of some of the barrels that we're we're, we're souring right now, but. Um, 
I really like it. You know, we, we the Brett and I um, was just sort of a strong Belgian ale, and then it had that quality, and then we aged it in oak for about a year, um, and, and it's really beautiful. And, and the longer we, uh, the longer it ages, the more rounded that quality, that sour quality comes. Um, so it should be tasting good. And the um, your farmhouse is is one of my favorites, and uh, I remember talking to you about that and being surprised when you said that it still it, it wasn't the beer that you intended. And that you still weren't, it still wasn't where you wanted it to be. Yeah, I, you know, the interesting part about brewing, like any, you know, cooking or, you know, brewing to me is really a culinary pursuit, is you never nail it right away. You know, it always takes a few tries. But with our uh, seasonal beers or these big beers, uh, you only have one opportunity every year to do it. Um, so, you know, if I was in a brew pub, I may be able to, within, you know, a few months, brew four or five times that same beer. So uh, uh, with this, it's sort of like, okay, it may take five years. <laughs> and it's sort of at that point. Uh, Jen had a question. I'm sorry, I have to reach over to get a mic. Um, question for you. Do you, I assume you don't have a pilot system now, but are you going to have one with the uh, new brewery? Is that part of the plan? Because Jen wants to use it. Because I, of course, yeah, no, no. I, no, come I'm curious up. for you because I think that's such a great um, opportunity sometimes to test, you know. Yep, yep. We, we do have a 15-gallon, like, homebrew setup. Um, that uh, we, we tinker on and we play around with that a little bit um, but mostly you know we, I could do a half batch basically 25 barrels um, and we have some smaller fermenters about uh, let's see three three of them um, so that's kind of our pilot system yeah. you know but I'm most able to of the play time you that. just jump right in yeah I mean <laughs> you know at this point uh, I'm not too worried about it that's good um, you as know, long fit, as you don't contaminate the entire system well, that, that's the stuff that I try play. yeah that's yeah. the stuff that I try to avoid but you know, if it's a if it's a recipe that I feel pretty comfortable with, we're not too worried about it. Um, in fifty barrels at this point, uh, um, isn't that much volume? I mean, uh, you know, Pat Fondale or our sales rep here in Manhattan would sell that in an afternoon. So, um, you know, at this point, that's not that hard to kind of uh, try around. Uh, or you know, try new recipes at that scale, but but it would be great to have. You know, I'd love to have like a ten barrel system at the new facility. And, uh, and I will take you up on that offer sometime. Yeah, come, come on, and, up, yeah, bro. I'll come brew with you. That'd be great. All right. <laughs> hey, um, and and Ted, you just poured us a, a beer. What beer did you pour us? It's really good. Uh, this is from uh, a, a brewer from Lucca, Italy, uh, Bruton. It's uh, called Momus. And uh, it's a it's a Belgian style brown ale, about seven and a half percent. You know the. Italian beer, it's it's going to be, uh, you know, they're really worried about, I mean, they're really concerned with uh, pairing it well. So I thought coming to Roberta's here tonight, it'd be good to have something that goes with uh, pizza and red sauces and that type of thing. And this pairs well with that. And then and anything else from Top Ops we, we should note? Um, well, we've got twenty draft beers that constantly rotate. We got a. Uh, we've, we're gonna have. Uh, we're gonna be celebrating the Belgian Independence uh, Day in mid July, uh, and we're gonna have. Uh, 10 Belgian beers and 10 American-style Belgian beers uh, rotating. Uh, well, I should say 10 taps and uh, for each one, and so, we're going to be rotating beers in and out all week. So that means that you have the ability to uh, try beer at the place, too, because we've, we've been referring to you as a bottle shop, but it's good to know if there are beers on tap, and you can actually visit it like a bar. Uh, thank you for that. Yes, we're we're a bottle shop and tasting bar, so everything there is available both to st- for stay to stay and to go. Uh, so if you'd like to, uh, you know, open a bottle and drink it at the bar, you're perfectly welcome. And if you'd like to take your growler home or a six pack home, perfectly welcome. We do flights and pints. Well, so when are you opening up in Cologne? <laughs> <laughs> That's in the five year plan because these guys need you to open up there. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, hey. We'll, and we'll have you back too. We had so many guests tonight. Fry guys, we we had hoped for you guys to come, and you came. Woo! And Davey Arrington from Smutty Nose, this is a Woo! dream come true. Yeah, we'll yeah, be back, and definitely Ted, you'll be back. We'll probably do a growler show at some point, and then Thank we can really talk because I know you're doing a lot with growlers. We didn't even touch on that. There's one last question. A, a Twitter follower, uh, Adam Nason, uh, for the Shelton Brothers, for Joel. It said, uh, "Will they distribute West Valeterian?" Uh, West- 12 Velitarian <laughs> to western part of US in September we're not going to distribute unless you can pronounce it well you <laughs> pronounce it but I don't even know you distributed at all is that his pronunciation or yours that's um, me <laughs> BR I'm, am I correct in saying that we don't really know yet 
what's going on in well, the Well, do West. you distribute that beer at all? Well, it's going to happen in the I East. I didn't even know we that. We will. Um, the problem is that there were going to be two importers. We would be doing it east of the Mississippi, and Mannequin Brussels would be doing it west, but they are no longer going to be doing it. So we're still in discussions with the monastery as to how that's going to happen. So for now, we're, just, we're saying late September, early October. But for what about the east, the east side of the United States? We'll be, well, it'll, oh, it'll definitely be available in very, very, I was going to say, are they going to expand their brewing to, to be able to do that? No, it's, it's a one-time. It's going to be a gift pack with six beers and two glasses. It's the West Flader and 12 only. They've sent us a, they'll be sending us a limited amount. And it's 100% of the proceeds will be going. We're not taking any profits on this whatsoever, aside from, obviously, you know what it costs us to get it here. And we're asking other people to other do the to do the same because the this chain. is going to uh, going to much needed renovations for the Abbey. And when will these be- beers be available? We're, we're hoping late September or early October. All right, good. Jen, thumbs up on that. Uh, I got my gift pack yesterday. Actually, <laughs> uh, one yeah, of the benefits of, of attending the Shelton event was that uh, you right. had you had access if you could get yourself to Julio's, which is a great. Um, beer and liquor wine store uh, up in Worcester, you could purchase one of these gift packs. So I got a ride, and I actually managed to get one. I'm excited. Jen, do you have a Twitter handle? Uh, I do, and yet I have as yet to figure out how to Twitter. So, yeah, Jen Schwartman, that's my name, and you can follow me, but there isn't much for me to say yet. (laughs) Not a lot to You can teach me, Jimmy. Well, at Jen Schwartman. (laughs) Jimmy wants to buy your your gift pack, I think. Well, you know... People are interested in this Not beer. Not until can pronounce it. Can you say well, that beer again? We're, we're running over, but let, let's hear. West, Why is this West beer... This is, a, this is another one of those cult beers. Why do people going nuts over this beer? Just because you can't get because it in the States? Because they can't get it. Basically, but it is yeah. delicious. Yeah. It is delicious. But, it is but, good. but to say one beer is the best in the world is, yeah. is kind yeah, of like crazy. Maybe, maybe I really I want to get Fry Guys. That's, That's what I want. That's the best beer in the world. Yeah. I'm just kidding. So we're going we're gonna to sign off. We're going to go to Spite and Dival tonight after this. And we're going to drink some, some Fry Guys on draft. And again, thank you, Dave Yarrington, man. You made our night. We're going to head over to a WD-50 tonight, a real great New York City restaurant. Hang out with your buddy, Wiley Dufresne. And uh, we're going to visit uh, one of the new Good Beer Seal bars, Pine Box Rock Shop in uh, Bushwick. Doesn't even know they're in the Good Beer Seal. We're going to go uh, bring them the message and tell them they are a Good Beer Seal bar. And uh, other events coming up. Well, it's July Good Beer Month. is is coming uh, next Thursday. A bunch of us will get a proclamation from Mayor Bloomberg. There's a lot of great events. Check out goodbrewsealed.com. Uh, coming up right now, Sycamore's annual tailgate party, Saturday, June 20th. Sycamore, one of the new Good Beer Seal bars. Do you like Founders Demonic Triple IPA and Heavy Metal? Head out to the gate on uh, Saturday, July 1st in Brooklyn. If you're not in Brooklyn, you're going to miss out, but it's an awesome place. And uh, July 10th, Sunswick 3535. Come and celebrate Stout's Brewing's 25th birthday by meeting the owners. Carol Stout is awesome. She once made out with Ray Dieter. All right. <laughs> And maybe you can make out with her, too. But I'd like to thank our sponsors at GreatBrewers.com. Thanks so much. And thanks to Joel and BR from Shelton Brothers. Sebastian and Pita from uh, Fry Guys. Uh, v. Gates, right? And uh, Ted, David. We got Peter. Who's Ted? Ted from Top. Ted, what are you doing here, man? Top top Hops. And David, Dave, and Jen for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Jack Inslee, Brie O'Connor, and uh, guest coordinator Brett Thompson is out there in Seattle. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. The fact that I like to drink beer. This little song is more to the point. Roll out the barrel and lend me your ears. I like beer. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.